Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. All right, friends, we're kicking off our new Jonah series, so feel free, feel free to join me in your copy of God's Word in the book of Jonah. And tonight we're starting with chapter one, because that's the beginning of the book. And so uh, this series, I'm so excited um, for a lot of different reasons. Number one, when you study through a book like Jonah, and in fact, when you read God's word, period, you just see the heart of God. I mean, that's what the word of God is all about. This is his love letter to us. This is not just uh, some kind of instruction manual for life, though there are some how-tos in this book. Um, it's not just the blueprint for creation and how God made everything. It is that, but it's so much more. God added his personal touch to everything he ever said. He didn't just want us to come to some uh, cold pages with black and white in just another book that we read. When I was a kid, I absolutely hated reading. I, I got to confess that. Um, I just wasn't a reader, wasn't much of a speaker either. I had a massive speech impediment. Um, I would be nervous to answer in class because honestly, I just get laughed at because, because I would stutter. I would stutter every time. I would know the answer, raise my hand, they would call on me, and I couldn't even get it out without stuttering, and everybody just laughed, so I just quit raising my hand after a little while. And the reason why I tell you all of that is because, um, you know, what Dwayne was saying with the Bibles over here and everything, we really are passionate about God's word here. That's something that you need to know about us as a church. Uh, and it's not to win Bible trivia. It's to know the heart of God more. There's no better way to know God than to open his word daily. And then there's nothing better than actually living it out. And so we talk about prophets, we talk about people in the Bible who received God's word, just like we can each and every day. So in ways, we are like these prophets, though they were special prophets in the Bible. And one of them, his name was Jonah. And a prophet, their job was simple. Receive the word from God and then go and accurately and clearly communicate that to people that they would turn to the one true God, that they would turn from their sin and trust in the one true God for spiritual salvation, for, for shalom, as the Old Testament called it. That means peace. It's Hebrew for peace. It means completeness. It's like the last piece of the puzzle that you've been searching for underneath the couch for an hour. That last piece that misses. And every single time we've ever done a puzzle, only we miss like usually about five of them. But you're looking for those missing pieces to complete the puzzle. And that's what that piece is. And so a prophet's job, hear the word of God, go communicate that word to people. And in the book of Jonah, we see that God relentlessly loves us and has a plan for our lives, a plan that would serve a greater mission that God is sovereign over. And so this is, this is a missional book. It instructs us on the mission of God and it helps us as missionaries Every Christian is a missionary, by the way. You don't have to move to another continent to be a missionary. Um, if you claim the name of Jesus, then congratulations, you're a missionary. Spurgeon put it this way, every Christian's either a missionary or an imposter. It's just part of, the, it's part of what we sign on for when we follow Jesus. It's part of denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. And what we see in Jonah, it's a beautiful story of a man who 
who is supposed to be a faithful prophet, and he runs so far from God, but God proves his love in this way that, like Romans 5 says, even while we were sinners, he demonstrates his love by by, yes, sending Jesus to the cross for us many years later after Jonah, but he runs after us, friends. He chases after us. God relentlessly pursues us, and you cannot outrun God. And we don't want you to miss that this evening. You cannot miss that in the book of Jonah. And so there's some themes. I'll just list out a couple for you. One is the love and grace of God. In fact, the whole Old Testament is like that. Sometimes people miss that. They go, well, I thought the God of grace is in the New Testament. God of wrath is in the Old Testament. Oh, no, it doesn't take long before you see, like, man, God should have killed these people a long time ago. Like, he should have just, I mean, rightly judged them, and they should not take another breath, but yet he shows his grace. He shows his mercy. And not because he has to, but because he wants to. He loves us. It's the love and grace of God. The second thing is how we relate to the will of God. Because every one of you in here tonight, you probably have heard before what God would like for your life. And if you haven't, then welcome to Anchor Church because I would love to share that with you tonight. You will leave with a clear understanding of what God wants to do with your life. I can assure you that if you'll join me in this journey for the next half hour. And then not only that, but I'm going to challenge us to examine our willingness to take the gospel to what I'll call, who I'll call the whosoever. It's that John three sixteen verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so we gotta be willing to take the good news of Jesus to the whosoever. It's whoever, whenever, however. And so, Let's dive into Jonah chapter one tonight. We're gonna take it little bit by little bit. And I just wanna point out this first. This is kind of the first point. So if you're taking notes, feel free to write this down. We're just gonna take a few observations. The first thing that we see is that Jonah ran from the call in presence of the Lord. And what's significant about this, A, prophets didn't usually do this. Not that every prophet in scripture was perfect, but Jonah is so different from other prophets prophetic books. You have the major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, right? They're usually longer books. Then you have the minor prophets, Amos, Joel, Obadiah, Jonah. And Jonah even starts out kind of different. What's, what's the first word? This is, this is a feedback. We're, we're still kind of building culture here, so I want you to know it's okay to talk uh, back, back to me. This isn't, this isn't a monologue. I, I want this to kind of be a little dialogue. What is the first word in your copy of Scripture in your lap in the book of Jonah? What is, what, what is the first word? What is it? Now? Does anybody have the word and? And the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord. Yeah, it's Take, take some time this week and look at other minor prophet books. They don't start out this way. There was already some things going on. Jonah just kind of tosses you right in the middle of it. And I wish we had 20 extra minutes to just go on some backstory. But you can even write down 2 Kings 14 and you'll find Jonah mentioned there as a prophet. It, this puts us about 780 BC or so when this would have taken place about 50 years before Israel would be taken captive by the Assyrians. And so Jonah is taking place at a very key time. We'll get into more of that in a second. Let's go ahead and get into chapter one, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son 
of Amittai. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it because their evil has come before me. And so we see here the very first words in this prophetic book are the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord. So what does the word of the Lord do? Well, we see a few things here just in the verse. We'll just, we'll just keep it up here just so we can kind of track through. The first thing is we see that the word of God, the word of the Lord is timely. What does timely mean? It means that it's never early and never late. God's word is right on time. What you will hear tonight will speak to right where you're at in your life. And it's not because I'm such a great preacher. I can promise you that. Because I'm not. But I will tell you, it is because God's word is perfect and mighty and powerful. It is the, the, the powers in the word. Not in this paper, but in the words that are on the paper. In the God who wrote these words. And so... That's the first thing we see. It's timely. Now the word of the Lord. This is, the time is now for this message. The second thing is that it's urgent. Do you have an exclamation point next to get up in your copy or go? This is how God speaks to his servants. He says, go, get up. And I love it because I'm reading through the book of Acts in my quiet time right now. And even in the book of Acts, I, I was reading, um, you know, when, uh, when uh, the, the Lord is talking to his servants there and Acts not. It's, Get up, go. It's the same language. Not only that, but it's specific. Specific. This, is specific. this message is specifically for the great city of Nineveh, enemies of Israel. And then lastly, this mission that God gives Jonah is greater than him. And it's the exact same way with us. When we come into contact with God's revelation, when he gives us instruction, when he speaks to our hearts, how many times have you looked at the Bible? Come on, I'm, I'm right there with you. When we look at what God says and you honestly just go, I don't know, man, that's, that's, that's a little too hard for me. But God knows that. He's with you. He's going to give you. He's not, he's, he's not banking on us, but he wants to work through us. We're as, as he puts in the book of Acts, when he talks about the Apostle Paul, he says, Paul is, Paul is my chosen instrument of grace. And that's true about us as well. We are his vessels. And so, greater than Jonah could handle on his own. Get up, go to Nineveh, preach against it. Their evil has come up before me. This speaks to God's justice. God notices sin. Friends, don't get discouraged when you read the news and you think, like, where, where is God? Doesn't God know? Yes, God knows. But because God is good, we can trust his goodness. And that's why we don't freak out when we read the news and we see the headlines, because we know God's in control. And so let's read verse 3. Let's keep on going. Jonah got up. Okay, that's great. He said, get up, Jonah. And then he, he got up. That's great. But then the next part's not so great. <laughs> He got up to what? What's that word? Flee. Flee to Tarshish from the Lord's plan? From the Lord's words? No, from his presence. Don't miss that. This isn't just about disobeying what God has said. This is about I'm running from him. That's so much worse. <laughs> it really is. And I fully acknowledge there may be someone here tonight, you may be sitting right there going, man, that's me, I'm running from God right now. And we're gonna get to that in a, in a second. But you're, you're in the right place, I promise. 
Because we're going to talk about what, what to do. If you, if, you have a, if you have a oh snap moment during this message and you go, that's me, I'm running from God right now, then we're going to talk about that. But let's just level with Jonah for a second. Before we get too hard on Jonah, this is all of our story. Romans 3, right? All, Isaiah, all like sheep, all like sheep have gone astray. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Ephesians 2 says we were, we were dead in our, in our sins, walking according to the ways of the world. That's not just running from God's commands, that's running from God when we're not in relationship with him. And so this is our story. This is Israel's story. We have to understand this in the Old Testament context, but then we can't miss that like, man, this, this either was you, like previously, this is you right now, one of those two things. And so he got up to flee from the Lord's presence. And then here's, here's some words to highlight, like Dwayne was talking about a little while ago. So bust out the highlighter or the ink pen or whatever you want to do, a little asterisk, whatever you want to do here. And look at, he went down. Jonah goes down over and over again in this book. He goes down a few different times. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. And then the author of Jonah, whether it's Jonah or someone else, repeats this again for emphasis from the Lord's presence. So why did Jonah run? Why did he run? Why didn't, why didn't he just do what God said? Well, there, there's lots of different possibilities that we can infer. I'm, I'm going to give you four D's because we're Baptists and because we alliterate. Sometimes the, the first one is difficulty. Nineveh was 500 miles away from where Jonah was at. Desert travel. How many of you guys are signing up for a 500 mile desert trek on foot? You signing up for that? I mean, it was hot in here with no AC last week. It's way hotter in the desert. I promise you that. You got snakes, you got bandits and pirates coming after you to try to rob you. You got all kinds of dangerous things going on. So it's, it's, it's difficult. But it's not only difficult, it's, it's daunting. The task is daunting. It's so much more than just difficult. You know, ancient historians say that Nineveh was the foremost city in the world at that time. Did you know that? Huge city. It was large. The most important capital of the dominating empire of the time. This was an intimidating place to go. But it wasn't just daunting. It was also dangerous. There was danger involved. Nahum chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 will We'll skip that for time, but I'll, I'll give you just this. Nahum speaks to, to how wicked the people of Nineveh were. They were wicked people. They would skin people alive in public. They would decapitate people and pile up their heads in a pile. So people, I mean, they were just brutal to their enemies. And by the way, uh, they, they, they had already well established the fact that they were an enemy of Israel. And that some commentators even go as far as to say it's very possible that the Assyrians had kidnapped already and killed some of Jonah's own family, some of, some of his relatives. They would have been responsible for their death. And so this is dangerous. Jonah knew that if he went to Nineveh, he would be mocked and treated like a fool. He might be attacked and killed. It was pretty much a death sentence. So it wasn't just difficult, daunting, dangerous, but lastly, Jonah had a disdain. This is hatred, friends. He hated the Assyrians. 
I mean, just imagine this for a second. Imagine a Jewish man in New York during World War II hearing God say, I'm going to bring terrible judgment to Germany. I want you to go to Berlin and tell Nazi Germany to repent. And instead of doing it, the man heads for San Francisco and gets a boat for Hong Kong. It's understandable, right? I mean, put yourself in their shoes for a second. And let's head back to Scripture and let's look at verse 3 again. Jonah paid the fare. That's another underlined phrase you can underline in your copy of God's Word today. He paid the fare. Friends, disobedience is costly. He would pay an even steeper price later. But it will always cost you so much more. Jonah was under the impression it would cost him less to head to Tarshish, but it actually would cost him far more. And so here's the deal. There's a price to pay either way for obedience or disobedience. And the price to pay for obedience is, is, is high. Even though God always supplies that ability for us to obey, God never gives us a word, an instruction to do, and then like it's impossible for us to do it except through him. But get this, he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them from Tarshish, from the Lord's presence. So don't get it wrong. When you run from the Lord, you never get to where you're going and you always pay your own fare. Let's move on. This is another insight from verse three. We overestimate our ability to run. Let me just be honest with you tonight. We can't run from God. You can't run from him. Psalm 139 puts it this way, verses seven through 10. The psalmist David is asking these rhetorical questions for instruction. He's teaching us doctrine. Where, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I, take the, if, if I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. God was with Jonah every step of the way. God is with you every step of the way. He's overestimating the rewards of what he wants. And we underestimate the consequences of our disobedience time after time. And so let's talk about our second insight today. Our, our second insight is this, is that Jonah became a curse instead of a blessing. He did. Amber, do we have that picture of that map? I just, I just wanted to show you guys geographically how far Tarshish was from Joppa. This is the edge of Spain. <laughs> this is as far as he could possibly get geographically from where God told him to go. So again, this isn't just like we all make mistakes every single day, right? We get a little off. We might be like one degree off course. And you know, that adds up over time. But Jonah's like unashamedly saying, no, I'm going way over here. So how far did he end up traveling? Five times the amount compared to the 550 miles that God called him to go. So what did we say a minute ago? You pay the price for disobedience. Now, did Jonah get to where he was going? No. No because God was with them every step of the way and God gets us to where we need to be, to hear his word, to do what he has for us. And so Jonah becomes a curse rather instead of a blessing. Let's look at verse four. But the Lord, there's one of those but God verses we talk about a lot in church. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. So the Mediterranean had bad storms all the time. 
But this wasn't just a bad storm. This was a storm that God actively caused. Let me just take a moment for doctrinal purposes because part of what we do in Bible preaching is I'm teaching us as a church correct biblical doctrine. God is sovereign. God can do what he pleases. And yes, God allows a lot of things, but sometimes God causes calamity. You, you cannot escape that in scripture. A lot of people try to, try, to, try to make excuses for God. They try to like soften it. Well, you know, God allowed this storm to come. No, that's not what my copy of God's word said. Mine says, but the Lord threw. That verb is like he threw a storm at them. But if you ever get uncomfortable with that idea, you always ask the question, you can take this home with you tonight, why did God do it? If God is righteous, if God is holy, if God is just, if he is good, then he always has a righteous, holy, just, good reason to do what he does. And does it always make sense? Everybody do this. No, it doesn't. It doesn't always make sense to me either. And sometimes your theology does have to have enough space for God to do things that make you feel uncomfortable and to where you go, you know what? I don't necessarily like that God did that. If I were God, I'd probably do it different. But I want to honor him and I say, Lord, I trust you. If you did it that way, you're seeing something that I don't see. And that's part of our humbling ourselves as we worship, as we read God's word. So that's just a little note on God's sovereignty there. But he throws a great wind on the sea. Such a great storm arose. The ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid. That's a big deal. They typically weren't scared of storms, but this was no normal storm. Each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down, there it is again, to the lowest part of the vessel. So Jonah hit rock bottom, hold on to that, and had stretched out. So like he's not just slumped over in the corner. I mean, he is stretched out. The dude is taking the nap of his life and he's fallen into what kind of sleep? A deep sleep. Now Jonah's not alone. Abraham does this kind of stuff in Genesis 12 and 20 when he lies. He brings about calamity on other people. Achan brought trouble to Israel's army because he robbed God. Joshua chapter 7. Now Jonah brings trouble to a boatload of pagan sailors because he fled God's will for his life. You know, one of my favorite shows of all time, Discovery Channel. I'll say back in the day because it hadn't been on for a little while, okay? Some of y'all are going to laugh at that. Mythbusters. How many of you guys like Mythbusters? Anybody? Okay, great. Awesome. So I'm in good company. I love Mythbusters, man. My favorite episode was, this is the most random thing ever, but I loved it. Will running in the rain help you not get wet? I, I remember when they were testing that out. And by the way, it doesn't help you as much as you think it will. Actually, walking gets you less wet. It's crazy. Will Diet Coke and Mentos blow up in your stomach? That, that, that one was interesting. Uh, it, it will not, just, just in case any of you are going to go chug some Diet Coke and Mentos after the service. And uh, hopefully no one's planning on trying this one out, but can you really escape from Alcatraz with an inflatable raft made from raincoats? Remember that historical moment when, when the dudes made their raft out of raincoats and they tested it out? So I, I, used, to, I used to love this show because they would just take myths and wives' tales and different sayings and they would see, man, is this, is this really true? And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to, every single week, as we preach through the book of Jonah, we're, we're going to expose some lies that Satan has, has, has really, has really uh, sold to us as a spiritual myth. 
And so let me, let me expose one right now. Ready? This is so important. Please don't miss this tonight. Here's the spiritual lie we believe. My sin is my sin. My sin is my sin. Who are you to talk to me about my sin? And many churches have just taken the route of, well, we're just not even going to say the S word. We're not going to say the R word, repent. I mean, I know of churches that have taken, like the worship song has sin in it and they'll substitute another word in it. The worship song has blood in it and they'll substitute another word instead of blood. I mean, this is really happening. So this isn't just like one or two off examples. We're a church that's going to talk about sin because the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died for sin and that our God redeems us from the pit caused by sin. And so let's talk about sin for a second. Our sin is not just our sin. It does not only affect you. It affects many, many others. Now, Jonah's full of irony. Did you know that? Those of you that have studied through Jonah, you may be aware of that. If not, one of, one of the literary devices used throughout Jonah is irony. And the first prayer that occurs in the book of Jonah, don't miss this, is not from God's prophet. It's from a bunch of pagans. They're the ones praying. Jonah's sleeping. They're praying to their false gods. So Jonah's missing it left and right. They cry out to their different gods. And Jonah's name, do you, do you know what his name means? Hope and peace. The symbol for that was a dove in Hebrew culture. That's what Jonah's name means. Old Testament names were, were, were a very big deal. Like what, what your name meant was very intentional. So hope and peace who comes from Amittai, his name means faithful and true. So hope and peace come, coming from faithful and true is asleep, idle, aloof, finding his own self-peace in the wrong place. So why is Jonah sleeping? Well, let me share this with you. It's exhausting running from God. Nothing will drain you dry like a life of disobedience. If you are not in God's will, if you are in a season of that, it will suck you dry spiritually. And why does God allow that to happen? Because he has so much more for you. And sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it takes experiencing the going down. But God's with you every step of the way. The Bible's full of sleepy prophets. Prophets that didn't do what they were supposed to do. It's not only a picture of Israel as a nation. By the way, this letter would have been... I mean. It, when we read the Old Testament, we have to read this like Israel's mail, right? We have to look at the context. And how would an Israelite have seen this? They, they would have, I mean, the irony would have just backhanded them. And they would have been so convicted by this because there's supposed to be a light to the nations. And this is not an instance where this is happening. But sleepy prophets, man, this is a picture of the modern church today. We got to go there for a minute. It's not a rant. It's just the truth. Jonah slept in a place where he hoped no one would see him or disturb him. That's why he went down, down, down to the deepest part of the ship. And he stretched out. Sleepy Christians do the same thing. They hide out. Where do they hide out? Where do, where do sleepy Christians hide out? Right here. In church. Because I go to church. I'm in Bible study. I signed up for the mission trip. It doesn't mean that we're not asleep. Jonah slept in a place where he could not help with the work that needed to be done. Sleepy Christians stay away from the work of the Lord. 
Jonah slept while there was a prayer meeting on the deck, like we've already pointed out. Jonah slept when he was in great danger. Sleepy Christians are in danger, but don't know it. And so in verse 6, let's keep going. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Oh, there's the second get up. The first one's from God. Now the get up is from the pagan uh, captain of the ship. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. So again, the very instruction God first gave to him, now the Lord speaks through this man. The rebuke is coming from an idolater. God is using this pagan captain literally as a wake-up call to his prophet. But God is not giving up on Jonah. And God is not giving up on Nineveh. So we're going to move to verse 7. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who's to blame for this trouble we're in, because Jonah's not fessing up. So they cast lots, and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble that we're in. What is your business? Where are you from? What is your country? What people are you from? I mean, they're freaking out. They're, they're hammering Jonah with questions because they instantly realize you're the reason why the storm is happening. You're the reason why I just threw all my t-shirts overboard. Like you're, you're the reason why all this calamity is happening. Spill, spill Jonah. Verse nine, he answered them. I'm a Hebrew. Pay attention to this. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. This response invoked a terror in these people. Once they realized that he was a religious man, once they realized that he was a prophet, once they realized that he was a Hebrew and a worshiper of Yahweh, they knew the second that he said these things, there was spiritual activity involved. So in verse 10, we see that. The men were seized by great fear and said to him, what have you done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea would calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And friends, we know that when we run from God, things get worse and worse and worse. And what Jonah did, Jonah in this moment, he could have continued to lie, but he didn't. He fessed up. He said, I'm a worshiper of Yahweh. He testified about the Lord. He knew some, some scholars think this, this was when the repentance really started taking place, when he was really convicted. But there's a final truth that we need to examine before we're done tonight. And it's this. Jonah experienced the consequences of his rebellion. So let's level with Jonah again. Has anyone in this room run from God? I know I have. Let's remember the second one. Has anyone in this room experienced the, the, the terrible experience, the realization that I have become a curse rather than a blessing? I messed up in a way that negatively affected my family. I messed up in a way that ruined this relationship. I messed up in a way that hurt this friendship. I messed up, I mean like, anybody ever been there? Anybody, am I the only one? No, of course not, right? And then lastly, we've all experienced the consequences of our rebellion. Jonah answered them, pick me up now, throw me into the sea, that it will calm down for you. For I know I'm, I'm to blame for this great storm that's against you. Nevertheless, listen to what the men do. They row hard to get back to dry land because they couldn't, but, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. The guys don't want to throw Jonah overboard. 
Again, the irony is that Jonah should be the, like the righteous, holy guy that knows what to do. And these, these people are valuing his life enough to try to row to shore in the storm. He didn't value their life enough when he put their life in danger, running from God. See, see the irony? I mean, it's all over the place. It's in almost every verse. So they called out to the Lord. More irony. Please, Lord, don't let us perish because this man's life. Don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you have pleased. And they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. And what happened? The same thing that happened when Jesus said, Peace be still, the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice and made vows. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, most people, when they walk away from Jonah, they get, they get hyper-concerned about the fish. It's, it's even in our logo, okay? So we're kind of guilty of it, too. You know, the fish is only mentioned just a few times. Who's the book of Jonah really about? Is it really about Jonah? Who's it about? It's about God. It's about God. It's about learning him. And what do we see? In verse 17, I want you to pay attention to these three words, the Lord appointed. Jonah, as a disobedient prophet, he rejected God's will, would rather, first of all, Jonah, Jonah would rather have died than been obedient to God. He chose death over obedience. But Jesus, as the perfect prophet, who was perfectly obedient to God's will, gave his life sacrificially to save those who were running from God. So God did a few things in closing, since the book of Jonah is about God, and we'll continue to see that. Let's focus on these three as we get ready to respond. Number one, God will use anything and everything he desires to get your attention. Does he have your attention, friends? Tonight, through his word. He'll use anything and everything he desires to get our attention because he loves you. And that's what number two talks about. God will relentlessly pursue those who run from him. Again, why does God do that? Because he loves us. He'll relentlessly pursue. You can't outrun God. You can't, you can't escape his presence. It's an impossibility. So if you're here tonight and you know that you're out of the will of God, you know that you've been running from God, take heart, take courage, be 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 encouraged by this simple truth that he is pursuing you. It's why you're here to hear this message. And there's still time to turn to him, to repent of whatever has gone on. There is nothing that God's grace cannot cover. His grace is like an ocean. It drowns our sins. It floods us. And then we understand his love. And then the last is that God will get us to where he wants, where we need to be to change. Because I know, I, I told you at the beginning, I, I know what God has for you tonight. And that's not some like proud kind of um, thing for me to say. I just see it all over God's word. And we see it in the book of Jonah tonight. God wants to change you, no matter where you're at. Maybe your next step tonight Maybe you know you've been running from God. You don't have a relationship with him. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We turn from our sin and we trust in what Jesus did on the cross. 
I told you Jesus was the perfect prophet, priest, and king that came for us. He died for our sin so that we could receive mercy and grace and forgiveness and so that we could be brought to spiritual life. That's why he rose again from the grave, because he wants you to have spiritual life. He wants you to be born again. And you know what you do to experience that new life in Jesus Christ? You turn to him tonight. You say, Jesus, I'm, I'm done living for sin. I want to repent, and I want to trust in what you've done for me on the cross. And guys, you can do that. You can pray to him right now. You can pray to him during, during, during the song, any time. It doesn't even have to be here, but we invite you to do that here because the Bible says over and over again, today is the day of salvation. Today, not, not like, why, like why delay? Come to Christ today. That's your invitation if you're running from God, if you don't have a relationship with him. But maybe earlier we were talking about sleepy Christians. Maybe, maybe if you're really on a gut level honest, you'd be like, you know what, man? I think I'm down in the boat of sleep. I think I'm passed out of sleep. And I need for God to wake me up. Friends, you are too valuable because God's made you in his image. And if he has saved you, that means he's made you a new creation. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're a masterpiece. For we are God's worksmanship, his poeme. It means God's poetry. You're a work of art that God doesn't just want to sit on a shelf to display like we do with art sometimes. But no, you are a work of art that is like a power tool meant to be used for his glory, a chosen instrument of grace. And God has a plan for you. He has a ministry for you. Whether, whether you go into ministry as a vocation full-time or not or part-time or whatever, he, he has a ministry plan for you. There's, there's, there's a ministry for you to step into. And there's a place for you at Anchor Church to step into ministry. And so maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's your wake-up call tonight. It's like, you know what? God, I, I, I need you to stir a revival in me to serve you, to step into ministry, or to continue down that road and discover more of what that looks like. But I can guarantee you this. God is with you. He's with you. You can't run from him. He's with you right now, and he's, he's taking you where he has for you. But what he's looking for is people that will pay attention to what he's doing. So maybe your response tonight is simply this. God, make it clear to me what it is you're doing in me. And then once he makes it clear, friends, let me just plead with you. Obey. Experience the blessing of obedience. Have you experienced that blessing before? Where you do what God says and you go, oh my gosh, it really works. <laughs> like what God promises, it really does come true. I mean, it, it shouldn't surprise us, but, it, but it, honestly it does, right? So let me invite you tonight to respond to his word. Can you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we love you so much. God, I ask that you would speak to every heart in the room whether you're leading someone to salvation tonight, whether they need to give their life and heart to you and experience a new life, they need to come to you tonight, Lord, and experience your peace and grace, your shalom, your help. God, maybe someone in this room tonight needs your help. Maybe they need you to come in and, and fulfill the words of Psalm 121, I look my eyes, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so God, help where it is needed tonight. Encourage where it is needed tonight. Lord, maybe someone's really experiencing a lot of 
depression, anxiety, grief over a, a loved one that they've lost. Lord, just some dark times. Struggling with patience on trusting your plan, God, because you, you work on a whole different timeline than our expectations. Help us to trust you. But God, help us to see tonight. Help us to understand your great love and your great grace for us. And may we just always know that no matter how bad we mess up, that there's always an opportunity for a fresh start. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.com.